we got to Moscow and uh like Sedge Live and his whole crew were there and they like they put coats on our back because we don't have coats. They take all of our bags from us and they're like, they're just like trying to take really good care of us, which is really cool. And then they they put me in like a Range Rover without Kyle. So they put Kyle in this one car with Tyler and then they put me in the other car and then we're driving for like an hour and a half. And I'm like, all right, I, I'm in Moscow. I don't have anybody with me. I don't know what's happening. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is yours truly, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is one of the best college wrestlers to ever live, Jason Knopf, three-time NCAA champ for Penn State, four-time finalist. Jason was also a three-time high school state champion with just one loss. And he's recently, I wouldn't say recently, he's in his third year on the uh, on the senior circuit and is vying for a spot on the world team at 74 kgs. Loved having Jason on the podcast, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Fan of the week goes to our friend Hunter from Montana. Hunter, if you're out there, we tried to track you down at the NCAA tournament in Tulsa. And if you're listening, shoot me a message on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, and we'll get you a shirt and we'll get you hooked up, man. Thank you so much for listening. Hunter from Montana, fan of the week. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for the great Jason Nolf. Jason Nolf, welcome to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I've seen a lot. Uh, I've seen a lot of it on Instagram and Twitter, and I, I've been wondering when you're going to ask me to come on. So. Here we go, baby. So you <laughs> said you just got done training today and yep. uh, you got practice again at two. So, you know, kind of fill us in. What, what have you been up to um, over the last couple of months and what does your schedule look like on a kind of a daily and weekly basis? Yeah. So um, I competed at the World Cup wrestling wise. So I have a couple of different things going on. I have my, I have wrestling, um, starting to uh, train a little bit of MMA and then. Uh, we launched our new company, Athletes Ocean. So wrestling wise, I competed at the World Cup in December, and I won my one match uh, against Georgia. I got a tech fall, and then I ended up losing uh, to the Iranian, um, you know, in the finals of the World Cup. And that match kind of hurt a little bit, stung a little bit. Um, but then I, I competed again in February in Croatia, and I was able to take out the number one Iranian guy uh, in the finals 
they, they he took the he took world bronze last two years so uh that was a good win for me and now i'm just training for the u.s open and getting ready for that and then you know the final x and the world championship so that's what i've been doing wrestling wise and then um i've been i went to bo nichols fight in vegas and every time i'm around bo uh you know and in the fight scene it makes me want to fight more and more so i'm starting to train a little bit so that that's what i was doing this morning was doing some jujitsu um this week i've been training uh you know boxing and jujitsu and uh some other no stuff so uh no gi no gi. i can't be doing that can't be doing that gi stuff that's weird isn't <laughs> it when you get in there so, the guys are pulling on your sleeves and your collar yeah yeah and then uh athletes ocean we just launched three months ago it's a social platform for wrestling technique so uh it's free to sign up and then there are in-app purchases like instructional videos or subscription groups uh i have my own subscription group where you know i charge a monthly fee and then but i post a video pretty much every single day two to five minutes on technique or mindset or competition breakdown something like that so wow that's been, uh, awesome working hard on that yep so how did that how did that start that idea so uh, a couple years ago, well, it was, it was about two years ago today, uh, me and one of my old teammates from Penn State, Gino Morelli, uh, got together and uh, we wanted to create an online platform for technique. And we thought we could uh, create a pretty cool platform that uh, builds a community around wrestling and, you know, other martial arts as well uh, moving forward. And we just kind of started brainstorming different ideas and started to build. We added a couple guys to the team and then um, built the platform and have been working hard on it. You know, that's like one of my biggest priorities right now uh, in my life is, is working on that and trying to grow the company and get uh, athletes involved. Cause it's a really good way for, you know, senior level athletes or even college athletes now with NIL to get paid uh, for wrestling. And, mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's like uh, I post a lot of wrestling technique online now and some people are hesitant to post technique because they think they're giving away their secrets. But honestly, uh, you know, it helps me learn when I teach more and it gives value to uh, my followers and, you know, wrestling match, uh, it's not just technique, you know, you gotta, you gotta have the strength, the technique, the timing, uh, the speed, the, 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 the will, the heart, you know, everything. There's so much that goes into a wrestling match where even if my opponents know my technique, it doesn't really matter for me. I still feel like I'm going to go win and, and dominate. So that's wow. just been kind of my mindset with it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if they really want to break down my technique, they can watch my matches. So, um, you know, having an opportunity to monetize uh, my technique has been something that's uh, I've taken a lot of effort into recently. It's cool that you still post con uh, technique on Instagram, though, because I see your technique videos all the time, and I, I, I don't, I'm not like I wouldn't say a technique junkie like back in the day, but I do watch yours, and it's it's fun to watch you break it down like that. So even though you have this app where you could be getting money for it, you're still letting out some content, which definitely is a, a marketing best practice. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, that's an, that's another mistake people make is they think if you give it on, if you give something for free that no one will ever pay for anything, but I think it's the contrary. I think the more free stuff you give out, the more people want to support you. And, um, and so that I've been trying to, uh, basically, you know, for my subscription group, I'll, I'll put out like three to five minute videos, two to five minute videos. And then I'll edit like a 30 second clip from that and put that on Instagram. And if people want to see the full clip where I really explain it in detail, they can go to my, my ocean. But I mean, Instagram, it's, it's mainly for like, I add a sound to it and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot shorter attention span on Instagram because people want to just scroll through. So they don't, 
when people go to Instagram, they're not sitting down to watch a five minute video, but when they're going to our platform, they're going to learn and get better at wrestling. So right, that's kind of the differences. They're pausing it. They're, they're zoom, you know, checking things out. Um, and, and when you mention the, like kind of your, your, you're doing technique and you're breaking it down. It's not just like you're doing one-off things. Cause I looked at your website and you have a, I don't know if this is still even active, but there's a on there, you can subscribe to your technique. And one of them is your defense. One of them is your offense. And it has all your series on there. And it's like everything from an overhook. And then there's, there's a, a dresser dump from an inside tie. So I really love how you systematize it. When do you think you kind of like took a step back from your wrestling and thought about the systems of how you operate your offense and your defense? Was that during college or after the fact? Um, I would say uh, I really started focusing on like my defense. I, I did a little bit my junior year when I when I hurt my knee because um, I couldn't really wrestle offensively the second half of the season after I uh, tore a couple ligaments in my knee. And so I really focused on, you know, my baseline defense and everything like that. And then like thinking more methodically. Um, but really I'd say like, I made the biggest jump, uh, going into freestyle because with folk style wrestling, you can wrestle so crazy. And I don't, I, I don't know why more people don't because you, you see guys that have like really good gas tanks and they, they're really good. Technically, if they just went out there and wrestled aggressively and, you know, aren't afraid to make mistakes and just let it fly. Even if you give up a couple of takedowns, it doesn't really matter. You know, you can roll across your back. Uh, somebody that does it that I think maybe does a little bit too crazy is Bryce Andonian from Virginia Tech. He rolls to his back a little too quick, but, um, you know, wrestling that pace, I mean, he's found success in it. And I found a lot of success just by wrestling aggressively in college. And, but I think that uh, when it comes to freestyle, you have to wrestle a little bit more strategically because, you know, if I shoot a double leg and I'm not paying attention to how I'm finishing, I might get flipped through and give up four points. That's mm -hmm. happened to me. And I've lost a couple of matches because of that. So um, finding like I've used my technique a lot more in freestyle, you know, and, and so in that way, I've had to like think about it more methodically and strategically. I mean, even your low single, I mean, you, you hit a, you hit a lot of that, uh, that left-hand low single and you know, you got to come right up with it in, in freestyle, right? I mean, folk style, you can, there's all kinds of different situations. And so you kind of see um, folk style is more forgiving, which I actually hear a lot of like the pundits say the opposite. And obviously you would know, so I, I trust you, but um, you know, cause they say you can text someone in freestyle in like 20 seconds, but, um, but I get what you're saying though, right? Because you can be way more kind of open with your skills, rolling to your back, trying different things. And and the match is so long, you really can wear someone out and battle back. Whereas freestyle, it goes like that. Yeah. I mean, you saw it, you saw it a lot at the nationals. I mean, uh, I, Bryce and Donnie, another example against Levi Haynes, uh, Bryce caught him to his back uh, and he was up six almost pinned Levi, but then he, you have six more minutes left in the match and Levi was able to, you know, keep getting takedown after takedown and um, ended up, you know, Penn and Bryce at the end of the match. So it's such a long match, even though Levi made that mistake, he just kept wrestling. And um, yeah, I definitely for sure think you, uh, I think that folk style is a lot more fun because of that, because you can wrestle a little bit crazier and um, you know, it's, it's more like effort-based I would say than something like freestyle is. Yeah. You know, and it's another guy immediately who I thought of when you said that was Shane Van Ness. Man, even mm -hmm. that it might have been Thursday night. I think it was Thursday night, or maybe even the first round. He was down it was like the first eight, round. Was it when he was down like with like forty seconds left? Yeah, yeah, he was down eight one going into the third period, and then just started like rallying off points. And I'm like, 
you could just do that the whole match. And because Shane's like one of the most talented people I know, um, you know, even watching him from high school, uh, you know, into college now, uh, when he wants to score points, he scores points. And, you know, even against uh, Pinero Johnson in the second round, uh, he took him down to his back and then, you know, he gave up, he ended up giving up like two or three takedowns throughout the match, but he kept scoring. He kept thinking about scoring. And even though he gave up those takedowns, he scored more points at the end of the match. So, um, you know, I think that the the more confident, I think that Shane gone, gained a lot of confidence through that tournament, knowing that uh, it doesn't really matter if I give up a score because I can go back and just wrestle hard, especially if it's in the first 20, 30 seconds of the match. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Oh, you know, we definitely saw Shane Van Ness jump levels at that tournament. It was so fun to see because all year we had been been hearing about him, hearing about him, hearing about him, and then boom, comes out and, and takes a third. And wow, what a what a tournament. Wrestled with a ton of heart. Just during my research, I found that you had you kind of had a breakthrough win like that. It was against Darian Cruz as a freshman. And yeah, you said that was a while ago. <laughs> what what about and I don't even know if you remember it, and it was from a I found an old article from your high school town. Um but what about that win made you uh gave you that that confidence boost or that confidence jump? Um, I think it was a big win for me for sure. Uh, like looking back, I I was always like pretty confident in myself up until that point. I hadn't lost in high school, and but I definitely knew Darian was going to be the toughest guy that I was going to face. So I prepared for him all year. Uh, you know, at my at my wrestling club, uh, one of my wrestling coaches, Isaac Greeley, runs a Matt Factory Wrestling Club. Um, we basically scouted Darian all year and was like, uh, like some of the things that Darian was really good at was wrestling on the edge. Um, he said, never stop wrestling when you're on the edge. Cause he'll try to, he'll try to like run around you or like he'll relax. And then he'll, he'll, he, I mean, Darian's super fast, um, you know, wrestling Thomas Gilman and the, and the NCAs and the semis was able to, uh, score on the edge. And that's how he ended up winning his national title. So, um, I was ready yeah. for that and, uh, just wrestled hard and, um, ended up getting the the victory in in the ride out, but yeah, I mean, winning a match like that definitely proved, like, showed me that you know I had what it takes to compete at the, I mean, at, at that time at the state level, and you know, Darian was maybe number one in the country, so at the national level as well. So, what was that match like? A PIAA high school match, or what, where was that at? Yeah, it was in the semifinals. Freshman year of, of, of yeah, my freshman year at the state tournament. Wow. That had to be mega match. That's crazy. I didn't know when it happened or, or what the situation was, but wow, that's that's awesome. And when you look at your your PIA uh, PIA career, like what other matches stand out for you as big turning points in in your your career? Um, I would say like one of the biggest ones was my sophomore year. Um, I had two big matches my sophomore year. I uh, I actually wrestled Nikki Roberts, um, at the at a tournament. Um, you know, and, and it was like a Southmoreland wrestling tournament. It was like over Christmas and he was, it was, we were wrestling at 120 and I was a little bit undersized. I ended up cutting down to 113 later in the year. And, uh, but, but I was wrestling Nikki Roberts and he, I think he was just way better than me. Like, um, but I think that I was able to win because, uh, I just believed in myself and, you know, worked hard, but I think technically like he had a lot more skills. He was in on my legs all match. Um, I think I ended up getting like a, a, a four point mo- move and over time to win. Um, mm. but you know, wrestling through that, he was number one in the country again. So that was kind of my next big win. Um, and just furthered my belief in myself. And then I cut down to 113 for the state tournament and I wrestled Ryan deal in the semis again. They always gave me like the best guy in the semis finals. <laughs> um, Did you and- wrestled him before. 
yeah, he had he had beat me a couple times before that. I don't know if I'd beat him at that point. Um, I think I maybe broke his elbow one time. <laughs> I hit like a lateral <laughs> drop in a summer tournament. Um, but I don't I can't remember if that was him or not. But yeah, he was like definitely uh a really tough opponent and he had just transferred in from like West Virginia or something. And uh he just kind of like dominated me in my match. I, I, I lost like five to three, but um there was never really ever moment where I was gonna win the match. Mm-hmm. Um so that was like that was my first loss that I took in in high school. And that like first and me. only. First and only. Yeah. First and only. So that crushed me like pretty bad. Um, you know, I, was, I remember being being backstage crying and my coach was like, Hey, keep like basically like get over it. You know, it's time to move on. We gotta go take third. And that's something I've always like uh taken pride in is like always wrestling back. I think it's super important to uh wrestle back and you know and ne- never quit. So um, so I got my act together, ended up wrestling back and taking third and, and then I remember like I was like more motivated than ever because I, I at that point I still like I didn't really have any I didn't really have much faith in God and like I uh, didn't really have a relationship with God at that point you know I believed in God but um, my value kind of came from wrestling so uh, I remember like after my freshman year I went back and everybody was congratulating me at school and I had all this hype around me and stuff and it wasn't like I was the coolest kid in school or anything but um, I remember going to going to class uh or going to school Monday morning after the states and I was just so defeated. Like like people were still congratulating me and stuff, but it just wasn't the same. And I was like, I'm not gonna like win these awards and you know, I'm not gonna get this recognition and I can't be a four timer now. That was my goal. And uh so I was down and I had a good friend uh you know give me uh have some good conversations with me. Uh his name was Dimitri. We had some good conversations and uh I was able to, you know, work through that, but then I was motivated more than ever to get better. And I think that was after that year, I made like bigger jumps than I had ever had before and, um, stopped relying so much like on funk wrestling and like, cause basically most of my wrestling was, you know, when people get to my legs rolling through funk rolls and everything like that. And I made it a mission to be more offensive and start dominating matches. And so after that, I didn't take another loss in high school until I wrestled Tyler Berger at the flow nationals in the finals, uh, after my junior year. And, uh, he ended up beating me there. Um, so I think after every loss that I've had, I've just made such big growths and I don't know why. Um, because I feel like in a day-to-day basis, I work harder than anybody else. And, you know, that I always like give my hundred percent, but for some reason, I think like, you know, having a loss is really beneficial because, even though it stinks in the moment, you're able to like identify the things that you need to get better at even more so than when you win. So yeah, it's like in that moment, like in that Monday morning after your sophomore year, like there's no lower point than, you know, cause Sunday is a little bit, of, you know, kind of still at the tournament. Maybe you're driving back, but then Monday you're back in the swing of things and it's, it all sets in and uh, that can last for, for a day or for weeks or months for some people. How long did it last for you? You think? Um, probably about probably about like four or five days to a week um i I, typically i have like a pretty like short memory when it comes to like competing like i think that it's never going to go away but then it does and like and now it's a lot easier like uh it's 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 honestly probably harder like i take losses really hard um now but um but i get over them quicker because i i remember like where my value is 
you know, in Jesus. And uh, it allows me to like not put so much pressure on myself and allow to, me to compete more freely and just realize that, um, you know, it's a competition and there's going to be a winner and a loser. And, you know, I want to be the winner every time. Uh, but that hasn't been the case. So, but it's time to, you know, if I want to, if I want to get better, I can't be feeling sorry for myself and pouting and everything like that. I just got to go work and try to learn and get better. And, um, that's what I've been doing. So. And when you say get better, I mean, to me, I think about maybe it, maybe you have a loss and you look at a specific position and, and you go back and really focus in on that minute detail. Um, I got to imagine though, guys at your level across the country, Every time you go into a practice, are you going in with a plan and like something you're specifically working on for like for that week or for that practice? Yeah, I think that I would think like the biggest thing I think about when when I'm trying to get better is uh, sometimes it's a position, um, like uh, you know when wrestling Kyle Dake, uh, like I, I had a hard time uh, finishing when I got to his legs because he goes to his chest lock. So like that's a position that I work on to uh, make sure you know, that I get the leg in the air right away and, um, that I'm able to, uh, you know, finish those leg attacks. Uh, cause I think that's the biggest game changer for me, but then it's also like, um, strategic wise, like, am I controlling the center of the mat? Am I wrestling on the edge? Am I giving up a push out when I could be giving, uh, when I could be going down out, out of bounds grounded? Mm-hmm. Um, so different, different positions like that, like, and just like, I mean, that's just repetition, like getting used to, um, you know, I only have, I really started training hard wrestling freestyle a couple years ago. So I, I may have like two to three years of like uh, solely uh, freestyle wrestling experience. And I don't have that many tournaments under my belt. So uh, the more tournaments I go to and wrestle high level guys, you know, that tournament in Croatia was a really big tournament for me because, um, you know, in my past, I'd lost a lot of close matches. Like uh, if I won, I pretty much tech fall the guy. But if I was, if it was a close match, I won some of them, but you know, I lost a lot of the important ones, uh, against like Dake and Burroughs and, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the Iranian stuff like that. So I ended up winning like in Croatia, I won like three or four matches by one point or by criteria. Um, so being able to close out those matches, I mean, just that in itself, giving me good experience doing that, uh, was, was really valuable for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that helps increase my confidence as well. That Iranian final was so such a gritty win. Like that was a battle. Yeah. I think that, uh, like, see, I, I learned a lot from that too, because, uh, you know, I definitely, um, I never felt like in danger except for one time, uh, when he did get to my leg, I ended up, uh, doing a good job wrestling out of it and giving up a push out. But, um, I think like in the last 30 seconds, 40 seconds, I was wrestling on my heels too much. And that's why, uh, I looked like I was so tired is because I was wrestling on my heels. But uh, I think when you wrestle on your toes and you continue to attack and, you know, it doesn't have to be like shot after shot after shot, but, you know, being aggressive in the hand fight and moving forward, hitting fakes and stuff like that, 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 that in itself gets the other guy more tired for one. And it keeps you less tired because Mm. you're, you're, because it's just, it's all mindset. It's not about like what's actually happening. Most people think, Oh, if I back away, you know, maybe, I'll uh, get less tired, but it's, it's actually the opposite. The more aggressive you are, the less tired you get. So for me in, in hearing you break this down, it just, it makes me think like every NCA stud who we have, you know, seeing, and you are, you know, one of the best coming out of NCAAs, but it takes a good couple of years to get used to the freestyle. Right. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about it, but 
I mean, there's so many nuances of it. And I'm talking like when you're in those matches against Iranians first team member, like they've been doing only freestyle forever. Um, you know, a lot of our Americans, we catch up pretty fast, but there is that learning curve though. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, even a lot of the U S guys that I'm competing against have a lot more, uh, freestyle experience than me. So, um, I, I'm, I feel like I've done a good job to like catch up. Um, but I know what's really good for me is I'm not even close to like being my best self, like, like uh, to my potential. So I'm, I, I have so much to learn and get better. And, you know, I'm already like, you know, wrestling with the top guys in the world. I, you know, the, in the Croatia tournament, you know, beating the world bronze and the world silver was in that uh, bracket as well. So, you know, being at the top of the world and not even being, uh, you know, close to my potential yet is, is a pretty good thing for me. So, um, I'm excited to keep learning and yeah, it's definitely interesting. I definitely, uh, I like freestyle more than I ever have. I I like wrestling parterre a lot. Uh, I like wrestling. I like going for turns every time I get on top. And, uh, so that's, you know, when you can get a turn in a match, it really, that's uh, such a game sets, changer. Sets, yeah, it's a game changer. You get a takedown and a turn instead of up to two L you're up four O now your opponent has to take you down twice or, you know, take you down and turn you. So it makes a big difference. That's what you see. Um, <clears throat> I did a, a, a multi-part documentary on John Smith and that's when I watch all of his matches, which you naturally do when you're doing a project like that, you really see when he gets into like 89, 90, yeah, he's doing the low single. Yeah, he's doing the duck pass. But then he's really opening up the lace. And like then he was just unstoppable. You know, so like you yep. see the greats add stuff on like that. And in the parterre, no doubt, is is probably the biggest differentiator at that high level. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. And on the on the uh, vice versa, you know, if you do give up a takedown, uh, pay attention to like where you're at. If you're close to the out of bounds, you know, you can drop your head and, yep. you know, so you go out of bounds and, and really working on your, you know, your gut defense and your lace defense. Uh, if you can't get turned, then it's going to be hard for people to score a lot of points on you. Right. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's cool to hear you break it down. And you also, the thing I'm thinking of in the back of my mind is you went to see Bo nickel fight. Like what's going to be uh what's going to pull you in, man is uh you know, is it going to be obviously 2024 you're focused on, you know, in the 2028s in LA, um, but Jason off with four years of MMA could also be the UFC champ by 2028. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely am open to fighting in the future. I haven't made a, a, a decision yet on whether I am going to hundred percent or not, but yeah, I'm just focused on the the world championships this year and the Olympics next year. And then, um, but I'm, but I'm preparing in case I do want to fight, you know, I'm yeah. training, I'm training uh, my striking and, my jujitsu and in my uh, submission grappling, everything like that. So, um, I'll be ready if yeah. I if I want to do it. So have a little foundation already laid, you know, getting, yeah. getting things going. So talk to us about what it's like to go to a to a UFC event where your one of your best friends is competing. Would you guys get there like Friday? Are you at the weigh-ins? Like, what's the weekend like? Yeah. So I, uh, Bo and uh, Anthony Kassar were out there. I think on Sunday night. Um, so. We, we stay out there all week. Um, I got there on Tuesday night and yeah, we just, uh, I mean, Bo has to do a ton of media stuff. He has to do, uh, you know, the press conference, the ceremony away in. he's got to do me- extra media. I mean, Bo's like one of the most hyped UFC fighters ever, uh, you know, as a prospect, especially. Um, so, you know, everybody mm-hmm. wants to interview him and get his thoughts. Uh, it's fun being out there. It's pretty chill. You know, we, we, uh, we get an Airbnb and, uh, we play like shuffleboard at Catan and, um, 
but I think like, you know, I, I love the hype and one of my favorite parts about uh, the UFC and what gets me so hype is, you know, the crowd and the walkouts um, and Bruce Buffer. I think it's sick when Bruce Buffer's like screaming in your name, uh, you know, right in your face. And I just, I, I, I get so hyped when that happens. So um, that's something that you don't really get in freestyle. Uh, there's not many, that's, that's the one thing I miss about folk style is the big crowds. I mean, NCA was packed, you know, rec calls packed every time Bryce Jordan center is always packed pretty much anywhere. Penn state goes, it's packed. So uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's one of my favorite things about competing is competing in front of a big crowd uh, with the lights on and, you know, getting your walkout song. And uh, so, you know, watching Bo walk out into the ring and then Bruce Buffer announced his name. I mean, that there's, there's not a whole lot of things that are cooler than that. So Man. Um, that's something like I have like a, I have a couple walkout songs that uh, I like visualize myself walking out to and, you know, smiling and dancing, getting ready. I think that uh, I'll, I'll, I think my, personality will show a little bit more uh in in fighting uh if i choose to do that than it does in wrestling because wrestling i kind of uh i was pretty serious like uh business like but i think uh i would have a little bit more fun um you know at least like with the walkout and everything like that i think it's not it's not really uh it's not very common in wrestling for people to be like dancing while they walk out and stuff like that but it is a little bit more in fighting so what would the songs be uh you know, they're top secret. I'll have to, yeah they're top secret okay i got a, I got a few options okay <laughs> okay now i respect that it's the uh the walkout is a, is an amazing part in the in the fans i mean it, it's just i was thinking about the other day because i love um i love chael's youtube show i love bisbing's youtube show and i'm like it's just so cool that ufc is a mega sport you know, just like the nfl and basically it's just a lot of grappling guys and like we finally now have a sport that we can all get behind because so much as I love wrestling, shit, uh, you know, last weekend was awesome, but we got, we have uh, another month to the U.S. Open, and then there's another big break until Final X, and and so uh, UFC, there's so much going on, and there's such a high level of competition, so it's just awesome how uh, how mainstream it is. Yeah, yeah, wrestlers are starting to take over, and grapplers, uh, yeah. you know, the Dagestanians, and then now that there's a new wave of Americans, uh, we got a lot of Americans that are signed with, like, Bellator and stuff like that. I think we need to... Uh, It'd be it'd be cool to see them fight in the UFC as well, um, just because the UFC is a little bit uh, more popular. And mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think that uh, pretty soon we're gonna have a lot more wrestlers, American wrestlers kind of taking over the Dagestani's. I, I love the so. Dagestan. Yeah, I love the Dagestanians actually. Uh, you know, me and me and Kyle Snyder went over to uh, to Dagestan to visit, and we wrestled in a in a couple matches uh, while we were out there, but. Uh, yeah, it was definitely cool to see, uh, like, uh, you know, how nice everybody was, you know, Sedgelot Live took us to his hometown and, um, they're riding horses and, uh, Gadisov was there. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun being out there, but you know, they're, they're, they were super nice people and very hospitable, but we still want to, we still want to, uh, take over. And I think it's important for the UFC to remain mainstream in the U S is that we have American champs. I mean, that's. You know, I love the Dagestanians like you, but let's let's be real. It's gonna it's gonna be tough to sell a pay per view if if there's not a lot of Americans in there. And certainly, we're seeing that push. I definitely want to get to the Dagestan trip. It's one of the number one things I couldn't wait to ask you about. But before we get there, did you see that the Belarusian who beat Dake just signed with Bellator? Yeah, I see he's fighting uh, at 145. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I saw featherweight. I'm like featherweight. What the heck is featherweight? And uh, 
Yeah, I saw a comment that said 145. I'm like, tell me Coker didn't shot. get duped on that. There's no way he's making 145. That's crazy. Nah. Yeah. I'm crushed no though because that match to me. Now I'm sure you knew who this guy was before that match. I talked to Brian Medlin, who's as astute about international technique as anyone, and he said that you know he had that um, the Belarusian had beaten Sidakov before and had some some really interesting things he does. But I mean, what were your thoughts going into that Dake Belarusian match? And I'm forgetting the guy's name. Excuse me, but you know, back at the Olympics because that was pretty crazy to see that. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't know the guy. Um... I, and I still haven't seen him wrestle since. I mean, I guess he's focusing on fighting now. Um, my thoughts were that he just kind of like out wrestled Dake in in those positions that Dake uh, is typically good at. And I think uh, Dake maybe uh, was getting a little like uh, I think he tried to like force a couple things a little bit too soon and just thought that he was better in that position and he and he wasn't uh, you know as as better as he thought he was. Uh, in those in those positions against him, I think that mm-hmm. Dake is is better in those positions against a lot of people. Um, but I think you know trying to force some action instead of just wrestling uh, methodically, trying to get his points back. Uh, you know, after being thrown for four right away, uh, kind of uh, got a little got a little antsy. And I think if he would have wrestled like smart and wrestled back, try to get to his legs and take him down, and I think he could have ended up beating him. Um, but I think the, the, the style matchup just wasn't ideal, um, Mm -hmm. for that match to, to do what he was trying to do. Um, but yeah, Yeah. obviously he he was able to wrestle back and, and get the bronze cause, uh, because, uh, I think that opponent ended up beating Chimizo in the semis. So yeah, yeah, it was uh... definitely interesting. It was, man. It, you, it was a crazy match because Dake is usually so well. I don't know if it was a seatbelt. He kind of came up and it was, I, I don't remember the exact position, but it was kind of a shocking to see that. And even more shocking at the time because I didn't know who the heck the guy was. But, you know, I talked to Brian Medlin and he goes, oh, yeah, we knew about the guy. We were watching him. So, um, but anyway, he's into Bellator now and the rematch probably will never happen, um, which brings us to Dagestan. So I remember seeing the videos of, of you and Snyder over there, Snyder's riding horses and, and Sajulayev. I mean, take us through the whole event. Where did you guys go when you first landed? So we, we actually, uh, we had like the, uh, Varner was supposed to go with me and Kyle and he ended up getting COVID like the day we were leaving. So he ended up not being able to travel. So it was just me, Kyle and his videographer, Tyler, uh, from Rudis. And we just traveled and, uh, we had like, the craziest travel we had so many delays we would take off and then we'd land again and we ended up getting we we had such a we had such a long flight and then we got to moscow and our next flight to Mah- Mah- uh Mahachkala? Mahachkala. yeah Mahachkala, uh was the next morning so um we wanted to just stay in the hotel because we were tired of traveling all day and these guys are like yeah we're gonna pick you up and uh we're gonna pick you up and we're going to take you to eat and then we're going to get you to the hotel. We'll take you back in the morning. So like, all right. So we get there and uh, like Sedge Live and his whole crew are there. And they like, they put coats on our back because we don't have coats. They take all of our bags from us and they're like, they're just like trying to take really good care of us, which is really cool. And then um, we ended up, they, they put me in like a Range Rover uh, without Kyle. So they put Kyle in this one car with Tyler and then they put me in the other car. And then we're driving for like an hour and a half. And I'm like, all right, I, I'm in Moscow. I don't have anybody with me. I don't know what's happening. 
And I'm like, am I being kidnapped? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and, and, uh, so I trust, I, I, I had pretty good trust in them, but I still like, I was in a place I'd never been before. So I was a little bit nervous and, uh, we end up like pulling up to this like huge boat and about an hour and a half later, we pull up to this huge boat and, uh, they like, they, they rented out this entire like cruise ship for us, not a cruise ship. It was like, it, it was massive. And it was like a restaurant on the boat and it was all for us. And wow. we, 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 we get there and there's all like the Russian national team guys there. Um, like Goyev and, uh, I can't remember who else was there, but like Sadakov was he there? Sadakov wasn't there. No, no. no. Um, but I think like the 70 kilo guy was there and we ended up going to, uh, we, the the boat took off and we're eating and we eat it's like two and a half hours past and we get to like a point where we kind of like stop and i'm like oh yeah i think we're like i think we're done like we're here and then we ask somebody and they're like yeah we're halfway we're turned around now <laughs> so we ended up being on the boat for like five hours and we were so tired and like ready to go to bed but we we were obviously we wanted to be good guests so we were like still like trying to be energetic and everything but we were so tired we ended up like getting uh getting back a while later and then we flew to Mahachkala the next morning. And um, it's funny over there because we like bypassed all the security and everything. Like they're like, yeah, just come with us. Like in Russia, they were, they were just like, if we were with the wrestlers, like we, we always like went past the security. We didn't have to like check our bags and stuff. So really? it was, uh, I mean, they, they, they checked our bags, but I don't know like what they were doing. And uh, so was Sajulaya fly to Dagestan with you guys? Um, no, I think he flew separate because they had like a wrestle ball tournament. Uh, they have like a new sport called rest ball over there where they basically like play basketball, but you're allowed to tackle. Um, so they had, like, does a, this? Yeah. Yeah. What about all injuries? What? All the wrestlers do it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's like one of their favorite sports. And, uh, yeah, when we were in, when we were in, uh, uh, so we, we landed in, da we landed in, uh, Dagestan. And then we were like driving like hour and a half back and forth between places. Like we went to Hasavert uh, that night and, and then the next morning drove back to Mahachkala. And it was like, I think just like everybody wanted to see Kyle mainly. And I was with Kyle. So uh, they were just taking us all kinds of places. And uh, you know, the whole time we never knew like what was going to happen. Uh, like, where are we going? We don't know. We ate like eight times a day. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I had a match on Tuesday and on like, and Monday morning, they like take us to this breakfast, so like get everything like, and I'm like, I can't probably eat a whole lot. And they goes, weight problem? No problem. And um, so <laughs> I ended up, I was like, well, when are we? And so they're like, oh, they're in an hour and a half. And I'm like, I'm like eight pounds over, so I'm not going to make weight. And they're like, oh, it's no problem. So I wrestled, I ended up wrestling. Yeah, I ended up wrestling Sabalov. Um, and I, neither of us probably made weight, but, um, we were probably about the same weight at the time, but you know, that was a good match. Um, ended up like tearing a ligament in my knee again, uh, wrestling him because he bent my knee so hard. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was good. You know, it, it was just like, it was just like sun, sun up to sundown. We were doing stuff and we, we never stopped. So it was like the, the, the most fun, but most exhausting week, uh, probably the, the best wrestling trip I've ever been on. I mean, we were going on helicopters. We were, we were, we'd go into stores and they'd be like, grab whatever you want. We know the owners, like you want a suit, like here's a suit. You know, I was getting DMS from, you know, this, from these like suit shops, like, Hey, come, come to my suit shop. I'll give you a free suit, whatever you want. 
And I'm like, I don't have time because they're taking us everywhere. <laughs> and at a certain point, at a certain point, they fed us so much food. I was like, I had to stop. Like, like I think we ate so much like sheep or something. And I got so sick of sheep. I had to start turning it down and I felt bad, but they're like, no, eat, 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 eat. And they put it on my plate and I'm like, I cannot eat it. Give me, give me like a beef steak and I'll eat that. Give me some ice cream. Yeah. Like I need, I need to, I need to eat some, some food that I'm used to. Cause I was, I was starting to get sick. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, we'd go to restaurant and then we'd, we'd go right to another restaurant right after. And, you know, it was pretty wild. So how many people knew Snyder over there? Everybody. Like we were in the airport. Everybody knew him. Like even people that weren't wrestlers, like they're like, Snyder, Snyder. And he's like, Hey, and by the last night, we ended up getting back to the hotel in Moscow before we were taken off back to the United States. And uh, I remember we were walking in the lobby and this guy was like, Snyder, Snyder. And it was like 2 a.m. And Kyle was ignoring them. And because Kyle never ignores anybody. But I was like, he, he, he started ignoring this guy. And I was like, what are you doing? You got to go say hi to him. And he goes, ah, oh. all right. And then he went and said hi to the guy. So, um, but he, he was done. He was That's being what it's grumpy. like for NFL players every day, like NBA yeah. players. Every, isn't that crazy to think about that? Yeah, it could definitely get exhausting. Yeah, I'm glad that I have a, a normal face that a lot of people don't recognize. Because well, I, don't, I don't look like... You get your first world title, you go back over there and you're going to be mobbed everywhere, man. Yeah, in, uh, Russia, in Russia, maybe. Not in America, I, though. Yeah, no. Well, that's crazy. Like, even... Even our great American champions in America, you know, you can walk through O'Hare Airport, no problem, right? But yeah, that's crazy. That's how big of a wrestling culture they have. Now, are yeah. you guys, it sounds like a lot of it is, it's relationship building, it's camaraderie. Are you also going to like the Dagestani wrestling school and doing workouts in the morning and afternoon? Or are you just sightseeing basically this trip? They like, we were trying to train and everything, but they were like, they didn't want us to train. I don't think they wanted us to compete either while we were there. They were like, oh, you don't have to wrestle in that match. You don't got to wrestle in the tournament. Let's just go. Let's go on another helicopter ride. And we're like, no, like we came to wrestle. Like right. I, I, I ended up uh, not being able to wrestle in the tournament because I hurt my knee against the ball off. And Kyle wasn't able to wrestle in the match because uh, Zabrailov got sick. Uh, so he only wrestled in the tournament. So I, I was able to coach Kyle. Um, but like the day before, they were like, we need all this. Like everything was so relaxed the entire time. And then the day before, like you guys can't wrestle because we didn't get like these paperwork from USA. And we're like, well, why haven't you guys told us that in this entire time? Like I thought everything was covered. And then it was like almost going to be like a big deal that we couldn't wrestle. And I think that those guys were just doing it because they didn't want us to wrestle. They wanted us to just have fun with them. So yeah, it just shows we, didn't, you, uh, we didn't train much. <laughs> maybe we're a little too serious over here, man. Like those guys are, you know, I, I mean, I know when they have their training cycles, they're into it, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's interesting to hear that, that that's kind of the, no, we do it. We do it the right way. Yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to live like, like that, like doing like, and they, all they drink is tea. Like, uh, they don't drink any water. Like we'll drink a glass of water and we'll be like, can I get another water? Like, yeah. you know, at a restaurant in America, they'll refill your water all the time. Like I drink like a half a gallon of water at a dinner. They'll drink all tea and like sip on it. They don't drink like any water throughout the day. And I'll be like, can I get another bottle of water? They're like, you already drank all your water? I'm like, yeah, it was like four ounces. I'm like, give me, <laughs> give me like, give me like four cups of water. So yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Wow. I'm surprised they don't have more injuries. Yeah. Right. I mean, in, in the hydration, you would think. You'd think they'd be all over that. Now, when you went to Hazavert, that's in Chechnya, right? Uh, 
I don't know. Because that's where uh, I think so. That's where Satiev's from, and I didn't know if there's you noticed. I think che- I think Chech I think Chechnya was uh, is north a little bit. Okay, man. So yeah. That's uh, but... wow. And did Sajulayev didn't wrestle in this tournament either, right? No, no. He's wrestling about twice a year. I'm guessing, right? Is it Europeans and the worlds? Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's uh, man. What an experience, though. It's it's cool to see uh. One, how hospitable they are, right? And like now, I got to think if we ever have any uh, Russians over here, we got to step it up. <laughs> I know gotta... we've talked about it. Like, like what we would have to do is me and Kyle talked about this. We'd have to like get take them to a Bryce Jordan Center match, and then immediately fly to Las Vegas <laughs> like that night. Drive to drive to Philadelphia, fly to Las Vegas. You know, do the Vegas scene like take them gambling or something. I don't know. Yeah, and then go to a UFC uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, the go to UFC fight. And then fly to Los Angeles, go to a Lakers game, and then fly back to State College, take them to Waffle Shop. Like this is like this is exactly like how it was over there. Like everything was like hours away. We were taking like four hour car rides. Like it was nuts. So how was the English? We'd have to. Uh, no, they, it wasn't good. Um, we had a translator with us. So uh, Kyle has been learning Russian for like two years now, so he's able to speak a little bit. Um, but our translator was really good. Nice. Yeah, I've heard uh well just not heard, but I've I've you know relentlessly tried to get some of those guys on the podcast, just thinking that maybe some of them would speak a little English and none of those guys speak English, which um no. so podcasts are on hold right now. Um wow, really cool trip and I just uh really appreciate you sharing that. And and so to me, it doesn't maybe maybe did have this, but did you have any like that wasn't like a trip where you're having big jumps as much as it's just big experiences for you. Like you're not going over there and like having a Darien Cruz type moment. No, no this was no. more uh... wrestling Sabalov. I mean, Sabalov is a, I think he's a world champ. So uh, wrestling him was definitely good for me. You know, I gave up, uh, I almost got pinned like right away in the match. Uh, he did like the weirdest thing where he reached back and grabbed my head and flipped me over. And I thought I gave up. And the match was, if you gave up two, four pointers, you lost no matter what the score is. So I thought I gave up a four pointer, but I looked back. It was only two. I thought I was pinned, and then and then I ended up not being pinned. So able to wrestle back and still like um, that was a match where you know I gave up a lot of points, but I also scored a lot of points. So it was still good experience for sure. But it was more of a trip for uh, just to visit and have yeah. fun, I guess. Yeah, we, we didn't know that. We you, thought we were going over to compete and train and stuff, and then they they just took over. Night one told you that this is not going to be a normal trip. The hour and a half drive to a boat, five hour boat ride, yeah. hour and a half drive back. Like that's, that's yeah. crazy. And anytime you go overseas, you do realize that other countries, when they sit down to have a meal, it's like a two and a half hour ordeal, right? It's, it's a yeah. big ordeal. Whereas here we're, we're eating it in the car, driving to work or something, you know? Yeah. 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 I try to, I try to spend as little time eating as possible. I try to eat my food as fast as I can so I can get back to doing what I was doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and and when you get back to PA, obviously you're in in the best room in the country and, and you have, a, you know, the coaches everyone knows. One new addition to the staff recently has been an Illinois legend, Jimmy Kennedy. Do you get to work out with him often or is he focused mostly on the college guys? I've worked out with him a few times. I feel bad sometimes because... He he just has to be the practice dummy for all the college guys. So he'll wrestle like four times a day. And I'm like, and then I think like by the time our practice is there, he's like pretty tired. So I I, I let him take a break sometimes when I want to ask him to wrestle. But yeah. when I do ask him to wrestle, when I ask any of the coaches to wrestle, they're down to wrestle. So 
Um, that's really good how selfless our staff is and everything like that at Penn State, because even if it sucks for them, they're they're willing to do it to help us out and everything like that. So, but yeah, Jimmy's uh Jimmy actually we only wrestled once, he beat me. I was beating him six to zero and he ended up coming back and beating me like eight to six. So that that match stunk too. But um he's one of the nicest people I know. He likes to play golf and I love to play golf. So we get to play golf every once in a while and you know, he's just a very good person. Yeah, no doubt. And yeah, just a a real, uh, I, I always tell people who aren't from Illinois, you can't understand. Like he was like probably similar to how, well, obviously you, but then Marsteller too, you know, kind of, everyone's yeah. kind of knew who he was. Right. And it's just like, man, yeah. so it's cool to see him out there. And when you look at the, at the staff, you have Kale, obviously you have coach Cunningham, you have Varner, Kennedy, and I know it's changed. There's there's been some other changes, but what do you think like the single biggest impact Kale's had on your career from when you got there as a freshman to now? Um, I would say that uh, just the, the way that like practices are run has has had a huge impact uh, on my career. You know, the coaches they talk to us and we we talk about mindset a lot. I think that has a big, uh, that's a big deal. I think mindset is like one of the biggest aspects of wrestling. I think it's, um, you obviously have to have the technique and the, and the strength and everything like that. But if you don't have the mindset, then you can't like do any of it. So, um, I'd say they've helped us a lot with that. And then just, uh, the practice structure has allowed us to, uh, peak at the right time and, and compete freely and everything like that. So, um, you know, I'd say definitely the way the practices are run. I don't think that a lot of teams do it the same way that we do it. And is it, is it, would you say it's fair to say that kind of um, in wrestling, the mentality is more is better, but Penn state maybe take, takes the approach that they try to kind of back guys off a little bit from, from the physicality of it, or or is that not right? Yeah. I mean, they, they, they just do so much research and put so much effort into the, into the planning and based on like previous years and everything like that. Um, you know, what's been successful in the past, what hasn't worked in the past, what weeks do we compete the best? What weeks do we not compete the best? What do we do those weeks? Mm -hmm. So, uh, there's definitely a time to work hard and, you know, do more. And then there's a time to do less as well. And there's a time to give us freedom and there's a time to do structured practices. And I think like, uh, the timing of that, like, um, that's something like, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, try not to give away like the Penn state secrets or whatever, uh, with like technique and I'm like the technique isn't even like uh like a fraction of the Penn State secret you know what I mean it's mm-hmm. it's all about who the coaches are how they lead you know you know how they run their practice everything like that you know how they treat the the wrestlers and everything like that to me it sounds like even ignoring anything wrestling related just how these guys live their lives is an, an example for all the guys yeah i think it's i think it's easy to like to preach that you want your athletes to do something you want them to eat healthy or you want them to, you know, not party. You want them to work hard. And if our coaches aren't doing that, then it'd be easy for people to be like, okay, well you're not doing that. So why would I do that? But when they, when they are doing it, it just gives us all the more reason to to follow them and, and to do those things. So mm-hmm. that's really, I mean, you know, having the coaches wrestling with us every day, like they know how it is, they know what the training's like. So, you know, we can, that that allows us to build more trust with them and everything. And when you talk about the mindset, mindset in wrestling, you know, everyone talks about it and there's there's different ways to do it. Like how would you describe kind of your your mindset going into practice back in back in your Penn State days and what was preached? 
Um, I was just excited to play dodgeball. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I got to get to practice 45 minutes early in case we don't play dodgeball today so that I can play early. And there's like eight guys in there 30 minutes early. And we're all like, we're, 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 uh, we're playing dodgeball. And, and that's like, that's like one of the, that, that gets me in the door and, and that, that gets me excited <laughs> to go to practice. And then once we're practicing, uh, you know, just being able to wrestle with high level guys and get better. And, uh, you know, I, I, I try to always pick like guys that, well, there's, there's certain times where I'll pick smaller guys, you know, if I'm trying to like have a lighter day or anything like, or something like that. But, uh, my mindset is just to like, uh, I have different, I have different goals for each practice. So focusing on those goals and trying to implement that, you know, if I'm trying to work on, you know, my hand fighting or my underhooks, then I'll focus a little bit more on that. Even if we're drilling like high crotches, I'll use my underhooks to get to my high crotches instead of a regular set setup for a high crotch. So, um, just trying to implement techniques and strategies, uh, going into practice, but I'd say like, uh, you know, mentality wise, uh, like why we're doing what we're doing. Um, it's because we love it because we want to do it. And, um, you know, having, having gratitude in our hearts when we're competing and when we're training, uh, that allows everything to be a little bit more fun too. That's the key right there. You just broke it. Those last couple words is why we're doing it. And it's because they love it. It's not because of any, any result. And then the gratitude pieces, you know, I've had, um, I've had, uh, Kale's father on, I've had one of his brothers on and, and they all mentioned that, you know, so, uh, I, I, but you hear it and you're like, all right, well, how did, like, when you interpret that, does it mean like you're grateful to be healthy, grateful to be out there wrestling with your brothers, grateful to be learning? Like, what does it mean to, to the wrestlers, you think? Yeah, I think all of that. I think, um, you know, when you can count your blessings, you know, when you think about the things like even just writing down what you're grateful for, like, I'm grateful for, uh, you know, these wrestling mats that we don't have to wrestle on dirt. You know, I'm grateful for clean clothes, uh, everything like that. And, and, uh, it allows you to complain less. Like, uh, you see that the most people, the people that complain the most are the people that are the least grateful. And I think, uh, the most grateful people, even if they don't, it's, it's not whether they have a lot or they don't have a lot. I'd say even people that have a lot can be ungrateful and complain a lot. So it's oh, not about definitely. what you have. It's about, it's about, you know, how you view it, you know, being grateful for what you have instead of, you know, complain about what you don't have or complain about how somebody treated you. And, you know, I think a big thing is not taking things personally. I think, uh, it's, it's getting harder and harder like each day and year by year because of everything in the media, everything, everybody wants to take everything personally and argue. And, um, and when you're surrounded by that, it, it starts to have an effect on you. So like, I would say like to anybody that's listened to this, you know, if you, if you're surrounding yourself by people that are complaining and, um, you know, taking things personally all the time, don't fall into it, you know, try to, I would say even try to like separate yourself from people like that and, or just like talk to them about it. Be like, Hey man, like, I, I don't think you should be like complaining this much and mm -hmm. you shouldn't be taking things th that personally when people are saying that stuff about you, because it's not really like a personal thing. And I think like the less that we can stay away from, or the more we can stay away from pe like complaining and uh, taking things personally, the the happier we're going to be and the more grateful we're going to be. Yeah, absolutely. There's actually a, there's this book that Tom Brady used to read every year at the end of the season and it's called the four agreements. One of them is don't take things personally. And if you can get that, man, that is a, that's a big piece of it, right? Because whether that's it's got to be one of the biggest, yeah. Right. 
I mean, whether it's like a, and in, in the in the context of the Patriots, it's Bill Belichick will tell it how it is, and even if you think he had a good game, he's going to shoot you straight, and it's going to hurt, right? And just like if my sales manager said something negative about how I did on a call, or or even with you, I mean, I don't know how um kale and casey communicate things to you but um i don't know if it's like that direct style like a belichick where you can't take it personal because then you're going to be you're going to be spiraling every day i think some teams are getting worse because they're tiptoeing around uh their athletes trying to like not hurt their feelings and stuff like that i mean that's a big part like as a coaching staff like if you have athletes that take things personally you have to coach them differently because Mm -hmm. you can't say stuff that is going to get them better but then that athlete isn't going to get that it's almost like that's a spiral uh, that's bad yeah the athlete could get a lot better if they actually didn't take these things personally but if i tell them this and they take it personally then they're not going to compete as well so i'm just going to not tell them so it's a definitely tricky i mean being coachable and you know being an athlete that doesn't take things personally uh definitely is gonna help you compete a lot better and help your coaches help you more absolutely wow now it's a so I'm I, I'm glad you broke that down a little bit because that gives us a little bit more context into it. So if you're complaining, if you're taking things personal, that's not the Penn State way, period. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that's just a few examples of things that we talk about. Um, there's so many different topics, uh, you know, effort, attitude, you know, doing things enthusiastically. Uh, but we're always talking about stuff like that. And so we're always reminded of it, even though like if somebody tells you that or tells me that, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I know that, like, uh, that's the, that's the truth. You still might not, uh, like believe it to yourself. It's almost like a double think situation mm-hmm. where you're like, you're, you're doing something that's indirect, like opposition of what you believe in, like thinking like an example would be like, Oh, I have to, I have to win, uh, to be happier. I have to win so that people like me where in reality, you know, that's not true, but you like force yourself to believe that. Um, so like the more you can, like train your mindset away from stuff like that and um, constantly put into practice day by day, uh, the more it's like implemented into your actual lifestyle. And it takes a while to hear it, right? It's not like you hear it once and you're good. Even for the guys in that Penn State room are lucky enough to be around those kind of those kind of leaders. Doing things enthusiastically, that, that caught my ear too. That's something you guys talk about? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, you can tell – a lot of times when you're watching a wrestling match, you can tell who's going to win the match based on how they're wrestling, not not based on what the score is, but based on like how they present themselves coming out in the mat. Are they smiling backstage or are they like shaking with nerves? You know, not that nerves are a bad thing, but, you know, getting excited, like using your nerves as energy and uh, like uh, being excited about uh, competing and, you know, going out there and wrestling to score points and uh, to dominate rather than trying to win a close match. Uh, when you focus on winning close, when you tr- focus on winning more than you focus on like wrestling hard and wrestling enthusiastically, it's harder to win. So, um, isn't that weird? Again, right? it's 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 tough to yeah, it's tough to like train. But um, like you said, the more the more that you're involved with it, and the more you hear it, the the more true it becomes for you. And I mean, it's the same thing with like uh, with church. Like for example, like you go to church and you feel super inspired after church, um, but then if you don't go for another week or if you don't if you don't live that in your daily lifestyle, you can start to like move away from that stuff, even though you know, that's what's best for you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Life life's tough, but, uh, you know, just staying disciplined and, and consistent with, uh, with your training mindset and, and everything like that. It's really important. Well, and like, you know, we've, we've covered a lot of, uh, 
deep topics here, but I think the main thing and and why we love wrestling so much is you learn all these things in wrestling, gratitude, enthusi- being enthusiastic, you know, not taking things personal. You go outside of the sport, you're still going to dominate. Like those skills are going to help you anywhere, whether it's in your relationship, whether it's with your kids, in your business, whatever, that is definitely going to going to help you there. And that's why you know, no pun intended, wrestling changed my life. That's why I love kind of the sport and what you're talking about is that it's so transferable. Yeah, 100%. I see it in my business all the time. You know, having a, having a team that I trust, uh, we have a team of four. So me, Gina Morelli, Eric Lundgren, and John Broughton. And uh, we we all trust each other and have we share the same values uh, with Athletes Ocean and everything like that. So, um, you know, being able to talk to each other about tough topics, you know, if we're frustrated with each other, we can we can bring it up and not let things fester and uh, not not uh, you know because a lot of companies fail because uh, the the owners have a falling out because they they start to get frustrated with each other and they don't bring it up, things fester, and then it all blows up. So having a team that you can like talk through issues with and um, you know use those skills that wrestling taught you to improve your business. And to improve your relationships and everything uh, is really useful. And, you know, yeah. there, there's tough conversations to be had sometimes, but, you know, wrestling definitely has helped me get through those and, you know, and our, and our team is better because of it. And we'll just sign down with this. So you mentioned your, your platform, you and your, your partner's platform, it's called athletes ocean, correct? Yeah. So you can check it out at athletesocean.com. Uh, that's, that's kind of our landing page. Uh, so you can learn about what it is and everything. And then the platform is app.athletesocean.com. And that's, that's basically our social platform for technique. So, you know, sign up there and then you actually get a free instructional on my overtime snaps. Uh, so if you click the instructionals tab, you can, you can see it right at the top there. And, and then there are other instructionals for sale from guys like Carter Starachi, Keegan O'Toole, RBY, Bo Nickel, you know, Ton, ton of good wrestlers, Nathan Tomasello. So, um, is Carter continuing to? Is Carter as scary in person as he seems? As he seems to these interviews in wrestling, man, he's an intimidating no. cat. No, he's not as scary in person. He, I think that uh, he likes to he likes the hype and everything, which is good. That's his personality. Um, you know, if you if you ask him in person, he'll still talk the same way. But um, you know, he's a good friend, and you know, as we like talking to him in person, like. He, he goofs around and stuff. So, uh, but I think awesome. like he definitely takes it to a new level with his Instagram captions and oh, his interviews. I love it, man. We need it in wrestling and I, I'm glad he's doing it and he can obviously back it up. So, but I think the main point is folks, I know there's a lot of parents listening and a lot of kids listening. You can literally get Jason off in your living room, Carter Sirachi, the Keegan O'Toole. I mean, I'd love to see what he's doing. He's got some really interesting things. So that's all going down on your platform and you sign up app.athletesoceans.com athletesocean.com yep. cool awesome yeah, man. You, you can you can search it on google too athletes ocean and it'll be the first uh link that pops up so perfect is there an app as well or is that coming yeah so there there is an app but you have to download it from safari so you basically press like the little share button at the bottom and then you click add to home screen and click add so that it's called a progressive web app so this is getting kind of technical now but um yeah, it's super it's super fast to download the app, but um, you know, if you go through the app store, Apple takes 30% of all digital purchases. So yeah. um we're gonna be on the app store eventually, but uh for 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 now we just uh state it as a PWA. Isn't that crazy? That little that little line item they put in, 30% of everything that goes through the app store. That is yeah, 
astonishing. Yeah. I heard someone else, yeah. it must have been a month ago, tell me that. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. Crazy. So. Well, Jason Knopf, I'll let you run to practice, man. It's been an honor to have you on the podcast. You're welcome back anytime. Anything you have uh, related to, to your business, let me know and we'll push it out over the platform here. And uh, like I said, man, you're welcome back anytime. I can't wait to watch you at the U.S. Open. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Thank you for having me on. Yes, sir, man. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life with Jason Knopf. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and rate the podcast. We'll see you next week with a new episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace!